Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. I want to talk to us dads for a little bit today. It can apply to all of us, but there's going to be some specifics for us fathers today. First off, we have to, rec- we have to recognize that we are the filter that they will see God through. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray this way, our father, which art in heaven. So as a father, you represent what they're going to filter what God is like through. So if you are a deadbeat, terrible dad, a guy like me has to spend weeks, months, or even years washing out all the nonsense that you put in your children because you did not represent our Father in heaven very well. So whenever they get saved and start thinking about God being their Father, they're thinking about God being their Father in the manner that you were their Father. And now we have to work all the nonsense out. Do you see where I'm getting at? So for us, we're going to make sure and strategically be the best daddy that we can be because we want our children set up for success, not having to deal with all of the idiosyncrasies that can get on them. Many psychiatrists are kept in business in this day and age because of something they call daddy issues. Daddy didn't say something or daddy did something or daddy didn't do something or or anything in between. The reality is, daddies, we have this massive power in our lives that we should be very, very strategic with because we are not just affecting our generation. We are affecting the next generation and every generation after that. Statistics say this, that good dads almost exclusively begat or produce good parents. If you're a good parent, you have almost a 100% chance that your kids are going to be good parents. I'll give you some, some, some examples of, of the characteristics of good parents as we go, but just stay with me for a second. A terrible dad, it's like a 50-50 shot on whether or not your kids are going to be good parents. Because if you're a terrible dad, there's a good chance that your kids are going to decide, I don't want to be anything like my dad was. And therefore, they become a good parent. The other side of it is, is the iniquitous trait on the inside of you that was never dealt with in your generation stays on your children. And now they are are held captive by that same iniquitous trait and they can become a deadbeat parent. The the other one that's almost 100% certain is the one in the middle. A mediocre, middle-of-the-road parent almost exclusively produces middle-of-the-road, mediocre parents in their children. They weren't necessarily bad to me. They said the right things. Sometimes they did the right things. But there was nothing extraordinary, so they never recognized the concept of going from glory to glory. It was just getting by. I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay. But I think at New Heights Church... We're going to raise up, we're going to stand up as men of God in faith, and we're going to be the best dads that we can be. Can we give God a hand of praise right here in the house? So here we go. If you're taking notes, I want you to take 
notes this way today. It's going to be a little bit more teaching than I typically do. Matter of fact, we might not even shout too much today. Praise the Lord. I want you to take your piece of paper and draw a line from the top to the bottom right down the center. And on the left, I want you to write the word dues, D-O apostrophe S. I don't know if there should really be an apostrophe there. You can Google it. But either way, dues, multiple dues, not the don'ts. On the other side, just write don'ts. Now, if you're taking notes electronically, I don't have any idea how to tell you how to do that. Praise God. But I want to start with just a few do's that a good daddy should do. Because as fathers, we are pressing towards the mark. We are doing our very best. 1 John 4 verse 18 says, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Cast out all fear, because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. Verse 19. We love him, we love the Lord, because he first, everybody say first, because he first loved us. Number one, these are keys to being exceptional, to being an exceptional father. Love them first. Your kids do not have the maturity to understand some of the stuff they're going to go through. But what they need to understand more than anything else is that their father loves them. Some kids do crazy stuff. Some kids of phenomenal parents do crazy stuff. Some kids of terrible parents do amazing stuff. But your father in heaven loves you first. And that's the example he wants us as dads to set to our children. They don't have to understand it all the time. But they need to know that their daddy loves them. The Bible's definition of love is to be patient and kind and not envious and not boastful. I'm going to give you just a few things this morning. Then we're going to get out of here probably a little bit early. Love your children as the first step. Have you ever heard that person that's so insecure? They're like, do you love me though? Do you really love me? But do you love me? It is ridiculous to be around. And it comes from a place of insecurity. Make sure that your kids know, I first love you. And I don't care what they say in front of their friends. You make sure that your kids know that you love them in front of their friends too. Because their friends are going to fail them. Their friends are going to bully them. Their friends are going to say things to them. And their friends are going to start talking about how their dad's a deadbeat. And they need it echoing in their ears that my dad's not a deadbeat. He's been proving to me my entire life that he loves me. Your dad might be a deadbeat, but my dad is not a deadbeat. You love them first. Everybody say first. It's a shift when you start to make these priorities the, the, the standard in your life. Number two, here we go. Number two, you got to make time for them. 
Thank you for all the support in the house. Praise the Lord. You got to make time for them. It doesn't matter what it is in your life. If it's important, you do it. There's two things you do. You do what you have to do and you do what you want to do. Those are the only two things you do in life. What you have to do and what you want to do. If you don't want to learn how to tie uh, fishing lures together underneath a microscope, you'll never learn. But if you want to, you'll build a desk. You'll put a micro, a magnifying glass there. You'll get you some thread. You'll start tying it together. Your eyes will go cross trying to tie little fishing lures that some trout that doesn't even live in Texas might eat one day because you want to do it. You will do what you want to do or you will do what you have to do. That's it. You got to get to the point where you itemize what's important to you based off the fact that What's important to you enough to schedule, you will follow through with. That's why when it's time to go to the dentist, you don't just decide, I'm going to show up Thursday at 2 o'clock and I hope they're there. You set an appointment. Because what's important to you, you will schedule. Right? Same thing with the doctor. You go, you have a doctor's appointment. You set the appointment for three o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. You get there at 2.45 knowing good and well you're not walking out of that waiting room till at least 3.30. Then the first person you talk to wants to know all this private information about you. How much do you weigh? None of your business, lady. That's how much I weigh. Praise the Lord. I'll write it down. You don't look. I'm going to need to take your temperature. Okay. I'm going to need to take your blood pressure. Great. The doctor will be in in a minute. That's a lie. The doctor will be in in 20 minutes. You're going to be stuck in that little room. I'm surprised they don't pad the walls in those things. So you had a 3 o'clock appointment. You finally see the doctor at 345. You're with the doctor for approximately 2 minutes and 32 seconds. The doctor tells you, here's what's going to happen. The nurse is going to come back in and give you a shot. You're thinking, why don't you just tell the nurse to give me a shot when I got here? But then you walk out of there. Why? Because it was important. You took off work. You moved some things around. You didn't take lunch three days in a row so that you could do that. And it wouldn't affect anything else. You don't do that with your kids. You'll wake up six months from now and you won't know their favorite song, their teacher's name, their, the video game they're playing, or anything else about them. You got to make time for them. Somebody say, make time. You got to make time. Here's just a few examples. I don't do this much. Usually, I teach on a much more doctrinal basis from a standpoint of the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law or the law of God is a higher calling than the letter of the law. The letter of the law says if you uh, uh, commit adultery, you're an adulterer. The spirit of the law says if you're looking lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery. The spirit of the law is a higher calling. Everybody say higher calling. But I want to give us just some keys that can really help us become the daddies that God has called us to be. You got to make time. So here's what it could look like. I don't know if it's Tuesday night for you, Wednesday night, Thursday night, whatever the night is for you. But make some time a scheduled family time in your life where you're going to, you are going to, and give them the opportunity to know it's coming because they always hear about your appointments. 
And they know that those, the minute you call in an appointment, it's, it's important. As far as what a kid thinks, especially. So when you say, I tell you what we're going to do. On Tuesday nights, that's family night. We're going to eat tacos, praise the Lord, and we're going to play Monopoly or whatever game you like to play. And then they can start thinking about it. Tuesday's coming. We're going to do tacos. And you start, if they got a phone, you start texting them. What kind of tacos you want this week? And then they start looking forward to it too. And then whenever somebody calls, you make sure, it calls and says, hey, you want to go play, you want to go play golf on Tuesday with me? You make sure your kids know. He said, no, uh -uh, I can't do that. That's family night. We're going to play, we're going to eat tacos and play Monopoly. (laughs) And let your kids know that you canceled, you didn't take another appointment because you are holding the appointment with them. Now all of a sudden they recognize everything that's important to my parents. They schedule and they set an appointment for. Now they got an appointment with me? I'm that special? They think that much of me? Yeah, because time's the one thing you're not going to get back. You can get another job. You can buy another house. You can get another car. You can get another tractor. You can get another anything. But you cannot get some more time. So anything that's important to you, you schedule. So number one, we got to love them first. Number two, we're going to make time. I'm going to stay on the do's. I was fixing to jump over to the don'ts. But let's stay on the do's for a second. This is a big one. Daddies, love and honor their mother. Whether you are with her or not. Because... How you talk about their mom is the seed you're sowing that you will reap off of how they talk about you. You say, well, you don't know what she did to me. You don't know what she said to me. This woman is crazy. I know there was at least one night that you liked her a whole lot. Somebody say honor. honor. See, honor is something that can't be taken. You can't, you can't take honor from me. I can only give it. I can't make you honor me. You can't make me honor you. But honor is a commodity in the kingdom that God always recognizes. And when you choose to honor their mother, regardless of whether or not she's being honorable, it sets you in a different category. Now all of a sudden, when they come home, maybe you, you have them for the weekend. You know, going back to making time. Let's say, let's say you get them every other weekend. That's 26 times a year. If you miss three weekends, that is more than 10% or more. That's more than, yeah, that's more than 10% of the time that you'll have with them that year. Can I say it differently? It's more than the tithe. You have to make time. If you said you were going to pick them up at five, pick them up at five. Don't make them, don't make her wait. And then if you made her wait when they get in the car, don't sit there and say, well, your mom doesn't have that much to do. She could wait. All you did was disrespect her without her around. But you don't understand who she is. I'm not asking who she is. Today is Father's Day. 
It's a shift. You start making time. You say, man, that's what I'm going to do. And then you decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love and honor her. Now, if, if, if you're married to her and she's at home, you got to love and honor her in front of them all the time and never speak down to them. Never speak down to your wife. Never speak down to their mother. Ever. 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 Well, you don't know what she said. I'm telling you, she'll stop saying that if you'll decide to be the man that God called you to be. Well, what if she doesn't? What if she doesn't? That means you only got to put up with it for 80 more years. Deal with it. <laughs> we used to say something when I was growing up. Matter of fact, I still hear it around my house. I say it to my son. The other day we were, we were, we were out and we were looking. We were going to go buy some. We were looking to buy another bull. Probably like you guys. And, uh, <laughs> We, we were out in this pasture, and it was one of the last cold days of the year. It was like this crazy cold day, and I'm wearing, I think I was wearing shorts. It was freezing cold. I had on this super thin shirt. It was freezing. Walker Lee, my son, he was cold, and we're riding on this, uh, like a Polaris Ranger. You know what I'm talking about? Like a, like a motorized golf cart. And we're riding down this pasture. You like that bull? I'm like, yeah, I guess I like that bull. It's a pretty good looking bull, you know. What about this bull? Oh, I like that bull. I'm freezing. And Walker goes, hey, dad. I said, what, buddy? You know what you can do if you get too cold? I'm like, what, buddy? And I'm thinking, well, maybe he's got like a blanket back there. I don't know. He goes, you can man up. Interesting. <laughs> Guys, you can man up and love your wife. You can man up and honor your wife. The scripture says to love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That means the amount that you're supposed to put up with is the same amount that Jesus put up with. They stuck him on a cross and nailed him to it. And even in that moment, he didn't call legions of angels. He actually asked his daddy to forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If you start leading your family and, and forgiveness is your, is your uh, uh, modus operandi, all of a sudden you get a lot easier to follow. Can you say amen to that? The scripture says, love your wives. Then here's one just for you ladies in the house. You know, we spend a lot of time on, on Mother's Day really honoring mothers. I think we ought to honor fathers just the same way. I think we ought to really honor them. Let me give you a key that, make, that makes your man tick. One of the things uh, is I'm not certain we'll ever grow up. So just case in point, you could empty the dishwasher, wipe the entire kitchen down with Clorox bleach, Put the kids to bed on time and having bathed all 22 of them. You could have fed all the dogs and all the cats, all the cows and all the chickens. But if your man does something as simple as take out the trash, he's going to think he did something. So, so here's the deal. Here's how it's going to happen. You're going to have done all that. Dinner's going to be sitting there piping hot. He's going to have taken the trash out. Probably didn't even put a new bag in it. And he's going to look. He's going to walk in, chest back, chest out. 
a woman. You probably saw, but Big Daddy took the trash out for you. And once your fragile hands having to worry with all the rubbish in this household, so I took it out. Now, he doesn't even realize it's the first time he's taken the trash out in 36 months. So he doesn't even know where the trash goes the rest of the time. So you got two options. You can either run him in the ground. I just emptied the dishwasher. I just wiped down every counter with bleach. I put your kids to bed. I put them to sleep. I made sure they were clean. I made sure the cats were fed. And the dogs were fed. And the chickens were fed. And the cows were fed. They're not even our cows. I fed somebody else's cows. All you did was take out the trash and you won a prize for it. It's a long way to the garage, honey. I don't know. Or you can say, hey, 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 big daddy. Thanks for taking that trash out. <laughs> well, you know, I am good at it. Oh, you are good at it, honey. I'm pretty good at taking the trash. You start building your man up. That dude will start taking the trash out multiple times a day. He'll start. There'll be nothing in it. He'll pull the bag out. Of, he'll blow the bag up. He'll throw it over his shoulder with nothing in it but the air from his lungs. Look at daddy taking the trash out. I'm the trash taking this out thing you ever seen in your life. Why? Because somehow God knitted into a man the desire to be honored. I grew up playing sports. And a lot of times testosterone really flows in locker rooms. And most of the fights that happened were not because of some grand thing. It was typically because of some form of disrespect or perceived disrespect. The more you're willing to honor your husband, the more you will get out of your husband. It is exactly the same as the law of reaping and sowing. You continue to build them up. You don't want your husband to be some whipped puppy dog. You don't want him to be uh, just some lifeless zombie that walks in the room and you just bark at him all the time. You don't want to be, listen, when you're in public, especially in public, this is husbands and wives, don't talk at each other. You got a problem? I have a jukebox that plays in my head. And every time that I say certain things, the jukebox spins. So as soon as I said, you got a problem, the jukebox in my head said, yo, I'll solve it. <laughs> Two of you guys remember Vanilla Ice. I'm really glad you do. But if you got a problem, you address that privately. You address that privately. Don't, let me tell you what the options are, ma'am, when you decide, so, so say you're just in an environment, and maybe you didn't even recognize that this was the case, and you didn't even know, you guys are about to thank me, okay, you really are, because I'm walking, this is me walking on the water, praise the Lord. <laughs> if you talk at your husband in, in, in public, or in front of people, 
front of anybody, his own family, anybody, you bark at him, he's got two choices. He can either stay quiet and look like a whipped puppy dog, which who wants a whipped puppy dog for a husband? Or B, he can bark back. And you certainly don't want that. So now you're in that position. Well, do I be quiet and look like a whipped puppy dog? Because I don't want to look, look, look like a whipped puppy dog in front of my girlfriends. Or do you bark back? And now it's a cycle. Let me give you an example. Hey, hon, don't we have to pick the kids up from soccer at 4.15? I already told you 4.30. We're not late. Now, all of a sudden, he's in a place where he's like, okay, guess I'll just shut my mouth. You ever see the old man sitting on a chair, 75 years old, doesn't say three words to anybody, just gets up when it's time to eat? 85 years old, sitting in a chair, just gets up when it's time to eat. Wife's in there just cooking away, frying an egg. How many eggs do you want? Three, I guess. He just got tired of dealing with it. He just got tired of dealing with the attitude. So he said, hook it, I'll just sit here. I'm only going to live to 120 anyway. Because inside of every person, really, but especially inside of men, because whether the world wants to admit it or not, men and women are very different, and that is determined at birth. Actually, long before birth, but on planet Earth, (laughs) when that birth certificate says male, it's male. But what happens is, is inside of every man is a desire to be respected and honored. Now that can go wrong. It can be completely out of proportion and and become arrogant and haughty and rude. But most people are not like that. And you wouldn't have married a guy like that anyway. The reality is the more you'll honor your husband, the more you'll see out of your husband. The more that you build him up. I, I can tell you this, and she's in the room, and I would never want to embarrass her much. But... One of the things that Crystal's done our entire marriage, she's always telling me how capable I am. I, I don't know about you. It makes it real hard to fail when you have a fan believing in you. Have you ever noticed what they call in sports home team advantage? Home field advantage? Everybody wants to win the most games before they get to the playoffs because if you win the most games before you get to the playoffs, you get home field advantage. That means you will have more for you than there are against you. So if your home is not an advantage to your spouse, but actually a disadvantage because you are barking at them or running them down or ridiculing them or trying to make them feel less than or stupid, or reminding them of all their faults, you are giving up one of the greatest advantages that we have in God. And that is to have an advantage while we are at home. In business, uh, uh, there's been plenty of times where I'll, I'll just say, baby, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking about doing. This is the deal. These are the details. I don't know how it's going to work out. And she might not even know, she might not even know the, the industry, let alone all the details of it. 
She might not even know the industry, might not have experience in the industry. And, but she'll say something like this. I can tell you this much. If anybody on planet earth can do it, you can do it. And I'm behind you 100%. <laughs> Watch me take this trash out, Sugarfoot. Because there's something on the inside of a man. You say, well, I ought not have to do that. We're not talking about what anybody has to do. We're talking about building each other up on our most holy faith to try to get everybody to max out instead of just getting by. Why would you want to just do what you have to do? Why would you want to just, well, I told him this whenever we were married and, and I'll tell you what, I'm withholding this and I'm withholding that. Well, why you think he's looking somewhere else? This just took a turn. It's a shift. When you decide to honor your husband, you will get the best thing out of your husband. He might transform into the butterfly you always wanted him to be. All right, it's time to move on. Somebody say move on. All right. Love them first, make time, honor their mother, whether you are with them or not. I'm going to give you a few don'ts, and I might get to one more do, but I'm going to give you a few don'ts. You can reference this here, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to tell you where the scripture is. Ephesians 6, right there in the beginning part of the chapter. Daddies, don't provoke your kids to anger. And there's no expiration date on this. When they're little, don't poke them and prod them and try to make them mad. Because you have more power in your words than anybody else in their life. Don't provoke them to anger. Don't, listen, you know, you're going to have kids and and it's all fun to to pick and joke. Everybody's good with that. But you're going to know their insecurities. Never exploit their insecurities. When When they're a teenager and they got a little spot on their face, a bump on their face, And you can tell they're insecure about it. Don't you dare mention that in front of their kids. In front of other kids. Their kids. (laughs) Don't you dare mention that in front of some, in front of their other friends and whatnot. He said, what are you talking about? I'm talking about just provoking them to good works. And not provoking them to get mad at you. Why would they share the secrets of their life with somebody who makes their insecurities known to other people? When you do that, you're making it where they can't trust you. So we don't provoke them to wrath. We don't, we don't prod them into anger. We don't, we don't poke on the places that we know. You've got your hot buttons too. You don't want somebody poking that. You want to insulate that on those kids. And do your best not to provoke them to wrath, but there's no expiration date. So when your kids get grown... And they, they decide that, that, you know, kids aren't supposed to drink apple juice because of some crazy new fad that comes out. Don't drag them through the mud because of it. Don't type, 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 Facebook. Can't believe my kids don't give the kids apple juice. We drank apple juice. We turned out fine. Well, first off, you're the one that thinks you turned out fine. You didn't ask everybody else. But number two, when you were raising your kids, you got the authority to make decisions about your kids. 
Don't run your kids in the mud because they're making a different decision than you. And if you really got a problem, pray about it. But provoking them to anger every time you, I saw y'all got another new truck. Guess you're not saving for retirement. If every time you call them, you're provoking them into wrath. Listen, before it's over, they'll stop answering the phone. Then what? We can't be provoking our children to anger. We can't be, we can't be at the place where, where literally every time that we talk to them or when we talk to them, it, it, it ends up being you know, a place of contention. Here's another, here's another don't. I told you, Jake, this might not be a shouting service. All right, here we go. This is a good one. Write this on your mirror in your bathroom. Don't be two-faced. James 1.22 says, Not hearers of the word only, but doers also. Don't come to the house of God. Act one way, and then act another way when you get home. Kids can smell fake. I've said this a thousand times. It's, it's a million times easier to preach to adults than it is kids. Because kids can tell fake real quick. They can sniff it out. They can, they can smell fake a mile away. Don't be two-faced with your kids. I'm going to give you some quick examples about what being a two-faced person looks like. If you're a racist... You're a two-faced liar. Because most of the time, your racism doesn't come out when you're in front of the people of the race that you are racist against. Then you get home and you talk a different way. Don't be a two-faced racist liar. But that's not said in a lot of pulpits today. Because what happens is, You might be able to manage your little pet sin, but it might strangle your kids. Don't get it twisted. Sin will make a fool out of you. We just tolerate it. Before we know it, it gets on our children. And then they say something at school because they heard us say it. And then they're marked and labeled as something they're not. It's just a little seed they picked up. Don't be a two-faced liar. Don't lie to them and don't lie to anybody else. Because if you lie to a kid, the scripture says this. If you offend a kid, it's better for you to be drowned than to deal with what God's going to actually do to you. Yikes. He said, if you offend a kid, particularly with regards to the things of God. Somebody comes on TV preaching or on the news or or something happens and you don't agree with something they said, you better keep your mouth shut because if it's God, he'll deal with it. If it's not of God, it'll come to nothing. But you can can literally get a kid offended about the things of God. I've, I've heard people, I've heard kids 12, 13 years old We don't go to church because there's nothing but hypocrites in church. 
You can't even spell hypocrite. What do you mean hypocrites in church? They didn't get that on their own. Somebody deposited that seed. Somebody, somebody put that. So as daddies, we're not going to be two-faced. There's too much at stake. There's too much on the line. There's too much hanging in the balance for us to not be doers of the word. Give you one more do. Proverbs 22 and 6. Train them up in the way they should go. When they get old, they won't depart from it. Somebody say the way. You remember Jesus made a profound statement one time. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What the proverb there was actually saying now that we can look through it with the lens of history is train them up in Jesus. And when they get old, they won't depart. Train them up in how to pray. You say, I don't know how to pray. Yes, you do. You talk to God like you're talking to your best friend. And then you let them hear you doing it with them and over them. You say, how do I do that, preacher? You got to just decide to do it. Come on, babies, let's pray. Pray? What you talking about? We're not fixing to eat. Yeah, but we want to pray over our week. Okay. You do that two or three times. They also do like my kids do now. Hey, Dad, what? You want to pray? I'm like, ha, 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 ha. No, I want to watch Sports Center, little buddy. That's what I want to do. But, yeah, let's pray. Praise the Lord. Because you're raising them up in the way they should go. And when they get old, they won't depart from it. You train them up. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to love. Teach them how to be compassionate. Teach them how to never make fun of the person in the corner, but actually be the one that goes and helps the person in the corner. Teach them how to stand up against a bully. Oh, I know it's 2019. We might not be supposed to say that, but the devil's still a liar. There's nowhere a place in the Bible where it says you should be abused the rest of your life. Teach them how to stand up. Teach them how to have faith. You don't have to be Superman all the time. They're going to find out. Oh, let me just say this too. Like they won't know until they have kids what you have invested. But when they have kids, they will know what you invested or you did not invest. Because every decision you make that has them in mind has a cost. And when they get older, they'll recognize the price that was paid. And that becomes the seed that the next generation reaps off of. Teach them how to pray. Here's one. Teach them how to worship. Don't let them just see your mom, their mom worshiping. Let them see a man of God lift his hands. What, is, what does that even mean? Well, first off, the Bible says we lift up holy hands to the Lord. The Bible says in Lamentations that we're lifting our heart when we lift our hands. It's like saying, heal this. And then one, 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 one idea is it's, is it's the international sign of surrender. They may never see you surrender to anything else. And I don't think that's a negative thing. But they ought to see you surrender to God. I'm not in control. You're in control. Let them, let them hear you worship. Oh, well, you... Preacher, you don't know, I, I can't sing that good. 
Well, first off, we do know you can't sing that good. Praise the Lord. Something about fathers when they worship. Their kids begin to sense something different. Mine do it now. Same with the prayer. Hey, Dad, what? You want us to get our guitars and let's worship? Do you want the truth, little baby, or do you want Daddy to say yes? Praise the Lord. I do want to, but let me tell you when it's going to happen. When it's not convenient for your flesh. When your flesh wants to sit down and put your feet up because you've been at the salt mine all day long. And then they're going to walk in there and they're going to say, Hey, Dad, you want to sing? <laughs> yeah. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. All I have needed, thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, to me. There's something that happens when you worship. And it only happens when you worship. Don't devalue your place in God. Jesus would have died if you were the only one on the planet. He would have died for you. Don't devalue the words that come out of your mouth. The Bible says the power of life and death is in your mouth. When you speak and declare life over your family, you are breaking generational curses off of your life. Your family will never be the same. Never be the same because you serve God. Teach them how to worship. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to stand in faith. Teach them how to read the Bible. So I don't even know how to read the Bible. If you don't know how to read the Bible, start with the Gospel of John, the book of John. Read it. It's called the Gospel of Love. It'll paint a beautiful picture of who Jesus is for you. After that, there's really no, no wrong way. You don't... If you want to go from cover to cover, that's fine. But it'll probably take you between six months and a year if you're diligent to read it cover to cover like that. I've done it. I have my own notes on every chapter. But it's, it's a challenge. It's worth it, but it's a challenge. Teach them how to read the Bible. Read it together. Here's how you do it. You bring them in the room. Everybody got your Bible? Got my Bible? Okay, sit down. All right, Billy, you read chapter one. In the big beginning, Billy. In the beginning, God made. hear me it'll be the best time in your life the best time in your whole life because when your kids get to heaven God's not going to ask me about your kids he's going to ask you about your kids 
What did you teach them? Well, I took them to church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to judge Brian. I got Brian. He's on. We got it. We got it. I'm asking you, though. What did you put in your offspring? That's what he's going to want to know. You crack that Bible open. My, I can't even go to dinner now. My kids, Trinity, she's She's seven. You sure? She's seven. Every time we sit down, she takes a bite of food. Dad, like I don't know what she's going to say. Can you ask us Bible questions? And I'm like, I just want to eat this chicken and dumplings that my wife made. That's wonderful. That's what I want to do. Because I always do the same thing. I always ask. <laughs> I always ask uh, the the big kids, Walker and Trinity. I'll, I'll ask them questions. I'll be like, "What was the name of the town that God uh, told Jonah to go to?" Most of the time, they'll get questions like that. But if they don't, then I go to Trinity and I say, "Trinity, what's Jesus' mom's name?" <laughs> And she's like, Mary. I'm like, Trinity wins. Praise the Lord. She always gets the easy questions. But teach them how to fall in love with the Bible. Teach them how to fall in love with God. Let them them hear about his goodness all the days of their life. Let Let them know that he's faithful. Let them know that he's got a spouse set apart just for them. Let them know that he's, he's got his hand on them. He'll never leave them. Pray over them out loud. If you're home, do everything you can to pray over them at night before they go to sleep. Thank God for great dreams. When they go to sleep, if you haven't fallen asleep yet, every now and then, Walk through your house. You don't have to wake everybody up. You don't have to make it more weird than the world would already think it is. Just walk through your house and go in there and touch them on the top of their sleeping head. And thank God for protecting them all the days of their life. Walk by every room in your house and thank God that the enemy will never have his way in this place. Thank God that his presence will saturate the very walls of your home. Thank God for his anointing come and double on your children like it is on you. Thank God for the opportunity to be a father. These kind of things go a long way in your life. I'm going to give you one more don't and then I'm going to pray a blessing over every father in the room that would like that would like because maybe you didn't have a good dad. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't have a good dad. Maybe nobody ever spoke a blessing over you. You know, as a pastor, God kind of establishes pastors and apostles as father figures. And I'm just Brian Hallam, but God did call me into this. The only reason I'm here, he told me to do it. I'm going to pray and ask God, and I'm going to speak a blessing over your life. And I believe if you'll receive it, it can change every part of how you father and how you raise your children. Today can be the day when, when it becomes a springboard for you. I think it's time for daddies to 
to do what daddies are supposed to do according to the Bible. Can you say amen to that? And you're here today on a Sunday morning. You could be anywhere. You could be barbecuing right now. But instead, you're in the house of God. We commend you for that. I got one more don't. The Bible says that there was a, a, a man, Luke 15. There was a man. He had two sons. And one of them said, Daddy, I want my inheritance now. And he gave it to him. And he took off. And King James Version says he wasted it all on riotous living. We later would find out that a lot of that money was spent on prostitutes. He spent everything he had, got down to nothing, starving to death. And he was feeding a man's pigs for a job. Now you have to picture, he was feeding the pigs and he was wishing he could eat the pig's food. But what was crazy about this is for a Jewish boy, young man, it would be double dishonor to be dealing with pigs because they're not supposed to mess with swine at all. So here's this Jewish guy feeding pigs. He can't even feed himself. And the Bible says this. It's beautiful. It says he came to himself. One day he realized, wait a minute, I'm not a pig feeder. I'm something else. He said, he said I'm going to go back to my daddy. Even the servants in my dad's house, they have more bread than they can eat. He said, I'm going to go back to my dad's house. And the Bible says that he's walking back to his daddy's house and his daddy sees him and he runs out to meet him. And the Bible says he fell on his neck. He just collapsed on his son and, and hugged him. And he said, he said, put a robe on this boy. Put a ring on his finger. Put shoes on his feet. And make sure and go kill the fatted calf. It's time to party. My son that was dead is now alive. When the son first got there, he told his daddy, he said, I'm not fit to be your son. I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. He said, I'm not listening to any of that. You are my son. And the Bible says he took that robe. And see, what's beautiful about that is that robe represents, matter of fact, it says the best robe, a robe of righteousness. See, when you come to God, you weren't clean when you got to him. He covered all of your sins. A father's responsibility is to cover the sins of their children. He covered all of the stench. In other words, let everybody else talk about your kids. Why don't you just cover them in righteousness? He said he put a ring on his finger. A ring was very important in those days because it would probably have the family crest or the family signet on it. Therefore, like if they wanted to order, say, you know, uh, three dozen sheep from the farm 20 miles down the road, so that their genealogy would, would, would still be good, they would send a piece of parchment folded up with wax sealing it, and then somebody who had that signet would have pushed it down into the wax, and that would have been proof, that would have been the seal that would verify that that parchment was actually from that particular family, and that family was good for what they said they would actually buy. Can I say it differently? He said, I'll sign the checks you write, son. Because in God, it's not like Monopoly where when you mess up, you don't pass go, do not collect $200. In God, you don't start at the beginning every time. He sets you back up on your feet and says, let's move on further. He didn't say, you're now a slave. He said, my son has come home. He said, put shoes on his feet. Because the Bible talks about in the book of Ephesians being shod with the gospel of peace. 
Your peace is very important to God. He doesn't just want you going through life. He came that you might have life more abundant. Could you imagine having walked barefoot for miles through the Middle Eastern wayside? What your feet must have looked like? And the first thing that his daddy said was, cover up his entire body with a beautiful robe. Put a ring on his finger because I don't want anybody thinking this man is a slave. This man is my son. Lastly, put shoes on his feet because I don't want him struggling through life. I want to help him walk in peace. Lastly, he said, he said, he said kill the fatted calf. Now, what's interesting about this is the fatted calf was something that was being prepared. That means it was set apart already. So the last don't I want to give you is, is I think maybe the most important one, no matter how old your kids are, especially to you who may have older children, grown children. Don't ever give up on your children. Ever. Oh, you don't know what they did. I don't care what they did. Don't ever give up on your children. See, it perplexed everybody around them because they didn't understand the robe, they didn't understand the ring, they didn't understand the shoes, and they sure didn't understand the fatted calf. But the reality was, is the Bible says that the father saw him coming from afar. Now what that says to me is the father had been looking for his son to return. His father refused to give up. I'll bet his father was even ridiculed by everybody back at the farm. Everybody that worked for him. Everybody else. Oh, there he goes again. Staring down the road. Acting like his son's going to go back. Everybody knows his son is living with harlots. Everybody knows his son is sleeping with pigs. Would you look at him out there? He's just staring down the road. Here he comes back. Hey, is the fatted calf ready? Is the fatted calf ready? Well, boss, the fatted calf got a little too big. What do you mean? it got a little too big. Turn that thing out in the pasture and put another one in there because today might be the day when my son comes home. Well, maybe you should give up, Dad. I'm not giving up on him because God never gave up on me. Today might be the day. The Bible said to a thousand generations my household's going to be safe. Today might be. You got the robe. You got the ring. You got the shoe. Today might. Don't you ever give up on your offspring because God God's going to make a way where there was no way. Can you give God a hand of praise in the house today? Come on, let's all stand to our feet. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, Follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.